Welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. It's always good to have you at our sound stage here on Southwestern University's campus. Well, thank you. It is always good to be here. And I have to say, you know, I've noticed something about Southwestern when I have come to visit, because when I come up here, I'm in the building where the president's office is, we're in the library, we walk across campus. There's a sort of discernible, I think, culture here that I can notice. Mm. And here's how I would describe it. And you can say what you think, because you're here all the time. There's welcoming. Everybody says hi to each other. Mm-hmm. There's respect. And there is a real, I think, premium put on listening. Because what I've noticed is, and I don't see this very many other places, people really stop and like listen to each other. It's not like that. Hey, how are you doing? Fine. Hi. They're like, oh, hi. I haven't seen you since last week. How was your trip? Or, oh, hey, how did that paper come out? And and I think those are Hallmarks of trying to create a particular kind of culture. And, you know, there's so much discussion in the wider world, especially over the past year or so, about culture and creating a respectful culture. And I thought it would make sense for us to talk about how to do that in the classroom, because I think the classroom is is a more complicated place than we might think at first. And here's what I mean by that. You've got an age differential often going on. Absolutely. Whether it's, you know, kindergarten and a teacher, even graduate students and a professor, there can be age differential. You've got gender differentials. You've got power differentials. Absolutely. You've got teacher, student, but you also have teaching assistant in there and you have students, you know, maybe competing with each other depending on the circumstances. And you've got hopefully a classroom where students are coming from a diversity of backgrounds backgrounds, of races, of ethnicities. Sure. Socioeconomic. Socioeconomic backgrounds. First generation to college. Absolutely. I just think it would be interesting and helpful to sort of talk through how to navigate all of that in the classroom, what you've done, what you encourage and train other teachers to do, what you've seen done to try to create as supportive and respectful an environment as possible. It doesn't just happen. In fact, I, I was just teaching my class uh, the other day, uh, the other night, because I teach at night now, at Southwestern, and I've got a class of about 35 or so students. This is the Effective Thinking Through Creative Puzzle Solving ah, class. Yes. I can see differences in, in my own teaching, you know, as I get older and, and try to be more empathetic. I try to foster conversations. I, I try to foster discussions in the class. And when I was a little bit younger as an instructor, as a teacher, as a professor, I would inject more of myself into the conversation. It was all well-meaning. It wasn't like I was trying to dominate. You know, Jennifer would say something and I'd say, oh, that's such an interesting point and da 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 And now I am very, very careful not to do that unless there's something really central to something that's important to the class or the cla- or the material. But otherwise, you will say something and I'll just say, Thank you, Jennifer. Wonderful. And then, and then 
move to someone else. Now, why that difference in your approach? What what changed over time that got you thinking differently about it? Well, it just seems to me that that consciously or not, in some sense, I'm almost grading them live. That's a great point, Jennifer. Or, oh, okay, yeah, who else has something to say? <laughs> you know, and then you're looking for someone else. Allowing everyone to share their reflection or their thinking or their feelings or whatever the, the thing is, their interpretation, their analysis, and and then let the other class, let the other members of the class pick it up, to me, is a more powerful way that opens the conversation. I'm trying to get people to put themselves out there in my class. And so the more I can, the more uh, I can let them interpret the way they want in their way, the better. I'll, I'll give you an example. What I do now, at the beginning of each class, uh, one of the practices of effective thinking that I teach my students is add the adjective. We've talked about this years ago, where you take uh, an issue, a problem, a puzzle, whatever it is, and instead of trying to actually resolve it, or you, know, you just try to describe it, put descriptors to it. And what I'm trying this year for the first time, it's been working really well, is I start the class off by sharing and putting up on the screen a quote, a quote, a famous quote. Mm-hmm. And... All they have to do is add adjectives. So describe the quote, add descriptors. And my students will take this in all sorts of different directions. And instead of trying to say, oh, I like that, or I didn't like that, or that's really interesting, I just listen to them. And so I don't, I don't editorialize, but they're sharing with each other. And then they will say, oh, that's really interesting. And, and someone will say, well, actually, based on that, it got me to think about this. And then at the very, very end of the discussion, I asked them to guess who the quote was. The last class, it was a quote from Helen Keller. And so it's really, it's kind of a fun thing to do, but it gets people listening. And to me, it's all about having them listen to each other rather than trying to impress the instructor. What do you do if in opening the conversation and wanting to create dialogue, if students say things that clearly make other students uncomfortable, or they say something that some people might regard as offensive, how do you or do you sort of step in and moderate? How do you handle when that culture starts slipping into something that's not open and respectful? So those have happened very, very few times in my entire 37 years of teaching because I've been teaching mathematics for the vast majority of them, which uh, there's no controversy. Most people just hate it. So everyone's on the same page. <laughs> there's no problem with that. Everyone in, it comes off on the same side of that. Uh, and now I'm teaching this course on effective thinking where we talk about other more broad issues, but but never topics that, that capture this. So I, I really can't speak to it. But what I will share is that one of the things that, that we've been doing here at Southwestern University is thinking about inclusive pedagogy and and ways of including individuals and their voices, whether the voice is coming from a different perspective or coming from a different political leaning uh, than the majority of the people in the room, and, and how do you foster that? And I've attended some uh, professional development workshops that we've hosted on this campus for, for, for colleagues, and I found them very interesting. For, this is really hard. I mean, because you can imagine this in psychology, communication studies, anthropology, sociology, history, political science. I mean, all the humanities and the social sciences easily, and then even in the other fields as well. And and what I've heard, and so I have not tried this, but what people I think are doing is at the very beginning of the course to basically have the entire class with ownership 
uh, of the students themselves create, in some sense, rules of engagement and, and ways that we're going to proceed for themselves. For themselves, in their right? And so they literally, in, in some class, some uh, instructors actually, you know, kind of write these things down. They become kind of here are our guiding principles, and it's okay to say something, and it's okay to say that you know that that bothers me, or that you know that was something that that provoked a thought that was unpleasant, and and, and that we do so in a in a friendly way, in a respectful way. And I think that's interesting, right, to, to, to start a course with that preamble and coming uh, as a mathematician where, again, I, I personally haven't experienced a lot of that. It was difficult for me to, to kind of imagine leading a, a difficult conversation like that. In a previous episode, we were talking about a different topic. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, there's some students and even some teachers, too, who think that teachers are there to teach students what to think. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they're really there to teach them how to think. Well, that's my opinion. Don't say, of course, maybe that's wrong. Many, many Many people believe that the best practice for a teacher is to teach students how to think, not what to think. You know, it's interesting to bring that concept to this discussion because, you know, in trying to create a respectful environment, you know, there's some students that I know have said or will say, well, you're, you're telling me, you know, I, I don't want to have to be politically correct. I want to be able to say what I'm going to say. I don't right. want to be, I don't want my speech to be thwarted or censored in the classroom. That's unfair. So this, these rules are so interesting because if everybody participates from the get-go, you know, you, you can hopefully create a, a template that everybody can live with. Well, and, and getting back to, to the other side of that, I mean, and you mentioned this earlier about the power dynamic. I mean, the truth is that it's not an equal conversation because whoever's leading that conversation, the instructor, uh, that individual is going to assess every single person in the room and and report a grade that they earned. And sometimes there's a little bit of subjectivity involved in that. And so, you know, you can imagine a student not feeling comfortable sharing what uh, what that individual truly believes or thinks because... They, they, they've, they've seen the, the bumper sticker on the car of their instructor or they know uh, the, what the instructor actually feels or thinks. And, and, and so that's, you know, that's a question. So for me personally, just because I don't feel comfortable otherwise, I never reveal any of that stuff. No one ever knows how I vote. And, and when students come in and say, you know, well, what do you think about this issue or how are you going to vote in that election or whatever – I always turn it back on them in a very Socratic tradition and say, well, well, how are you going to vote? Or what do you think about the issue? And then no matter what they say, whether they happen to actually agree with my own personal perspective or not, I try to never let that show. And I always try to kind of pull on the other side. Well, why aren't you thinking about that? Or why don't you support that? And how come you think that way? And, and to, to make their own point of view clearer in their own minds, which is to me what we should be doing is, is, you know, sharpening their own analysis and thinking. So, so they never get anything out of me. And I'm not saying by the way, that that's good, but that's, I'm comfortable with because then I can be comfortable with my students. So can I get a few more riddles out of you? I've got, I've got oh. plenty of riddles. If you, if you'd rather have, you want to have more fun? Well, let's, let's have more fun. All let's right. do some so more riddles. It's okay to be silly. Yeah. I All think, right. I so think the, the, the more serious puzzlers are on holiday right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Well, I always have riddles. All right. So, Here we go. So the first riddle is, what are the two things that can point in every direction but can't reach the destination by themselves? What are two things that can point in every direction but can't reach the destination 
by themselves. Yeah, you know, I think I've heard this one before, and I don't, I don't really because I, I made up I, part but, of it. Is I made up. I know. I think the ba- like I think there's a nugget in there, but I don't. I don't even have an answer. Look, oh. I'm writing down. Nothing. You wrote an arrow. No, I well, I wrote an arrow. <laughs> That's okay. not it. But. That's not it. All right. Okay. What's the other? The one? other one is what is the only way a leopard can change his spots? And by the way, this is also true if the leopard is a female. What is the only way a leopard can change her spots? Okay. That's it. Those are good. Actually, okay, but how about one just right now for you? Okay. This is not for this is not for our listening audience. Okay. It's just for you. I'll throw one extra one here. Hopefully I can get this one. What vegetable is central to almost all music? What vegetable is central to almost all music? I'm sco- scrolling through vegetables in my head. Mm-hmm. I got the one about the leak. You did. In the boat last time. That's right. I don't this one's not coming This to is mind also a, a root vegetable that you find in the ground. A root vegetable. Just like a leek. All the ones I'm thinking of don't have any musical. Oh, you're going to have to tell me. Like a carrot would be an example, but but that doesn't work. No, not for music. I don't know. What is this? I'm trying to to conduct you like a conductor would. Almost all music contains a beat. Oh, I love it. That's great. Of course. Oh, that's wonderful. All right. There you have it. Can we go back to Puzzlers in, in two weeks? Yes, we can. Thank this goodness. This has been very much fun. All right, I've good. Just, I've thoroughly enjoyed Excellent. our diversion to, to riddles. <laughs> to ridiculous. To riddles. So, the ridiculous world. Yes. So, Ed, a final question about sort of classroom culture yep. as, we, as we wrap up the discussion. There's been so much attention, you know, outside the classroom paid to culture and how we treat each other and respect and how we talk to each other and acknowledge our differences. And I, I think that's entering the classroom and workplaces and all kinds of things. Do you think this is a permanent, a permanent um, evolution of culture everywhere and how we treat each other? You mean the current national discourse, which is yeah. not particularly respectful at the moment? Well, I'm thinking about, you know, the Me Too movement and other things that have really prompted people to try to think about that. But then we have this national discourse where we're not always so civil. And so I'm wondering about the staying power of trying to improve these cultures when there are things tugging. Yeah, I'm going to have to punt here on this and just say that the truth is that I think when these movements happen, which really is just uh, we're inspired as a people to really reflect honestly and deeply on a particular issue that maybe was invisible, that that just changes us as individuals and as a as a community. And therefore, there, of course, will be an implication as to kind of what unfolds next and how we are as a society going forward. Whether a particular way or way of being will continue or not, I, I think everything is always in flux and everything is always in moving. But any one period, I think, heavily influences what we do next. And I think that often we, what we do next is often a response, whether it's um, evolution or whether it's a kind of, a, a, we want a that's a backlash. We don't want that anymore. And so now we're going to move into a different direction. And maybe that's the way to think about it. There are a lot of people out there that are really, really uh, angry about how people have behaved in the past. And you, whether it's just recent past, talking about the Me Too movement, or going way, way far back and how we treated other people, or how we treated the world, or whatever it is, there will be a time 100 years from now that people will look back at us and ideally will look at us as being bad or evil because we as humankind 
as a people have evolved so to the point where things that we don't even notice today, the things that are around us that we're not even spending our time thinking about. So it can't be anything that we're talking about in the news. It can't be Me Too. It can't be hunger. It can't be, you know, the, the planet. It can't be any of that stuff. It's got to be stuff that we're not even talking about because it's just so not an issue for us. A hundred years from now will be an issue and they'll look back at us and say, what were they thinking? And that's evolution, and and we need to be open to that, and we also cannot be too arrogant to say, well, the people before us, they were really bad and evil, and we've got a da-da-da-da, and we have to also look at a mirror and say, you know what, maybe we're bad and evil in some future society, and we need to be sensitive to that. Empathy. Dr. Ed Berger, you always keep us thinking and always remind us to be empathetic. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org and wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's a topic you would like to hear us discuss on a future episode of Higher Ed, send me an email and let me know. You can send that to Staten at KUT.org. That's J-S-T-A-Y-T-O-N at K-U-T.org. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.